Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, that's better. I needed that. I couldn't believe they got rid of masks. Oh. Honestly, I could have... Oh, I'd say that was very liberating. I just thought I'd given up. I kind of thought it's forever. So did I. And it means that when I next Did see... many people have masks? About 20%. And, you know, I wouldn't judge them because, actually, if you're oh, in chemotherapy... You probably should be wearing Because I saw somebody in the hotel in Killarney with a mask, and my first instinct was they have... It's changed me, because I kind of think... Ah, uh, yeah, I think of cancer or something okay. like that, yeah. Are we going? Go? Yeah, we're going. <coughs> and this is how we're going to do it? Yeah. Okay. Well, where should we start? I can see me. Oh, you can see yourself. Yeah, it's really helpful. Okay. And actually, I'm 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 shorter. Well, no, I think we all kind of even now. My hair's probably. And I, are you but... sure I should be here? Not you. No, no, you should be there. Yeah, yeah. you should be there. Okay. But uh, I guess what people might want to hear the story of is yes. uh, I don't know because you guys basically well no. You're part of this organization organization called Genspect, and yes. we just had a very major conference that you two initiated and and got the ball moving on. And I, I I'd like to hear the story of of how, but why and, and okay. what why you think that was necessary to have this conference and, and the design of it. Well, so there's a there's a third person who's involved, which is Joe, because the conference was our idea. But then the idea of challenging WPATH as well, in, that's Joe informed that a lot with his, his Beyond WPATH. Sorry, I'm still recovering from my voice from the conference, so I've, it's a bit bad. His idea of challenging WPATH, so that it, the whole thing was certainly more, but yeah, the, the conference idea was us, and so... So, so, so just just to clarify, so Joe Burgo, yeah, Joe Burgo, wants to challenge this other organization called WPATH, and WPATH has three, three kind of branches. WPATH, which is the World um, Professional Organization for Transgender Health, the US PATH, which is the US version, the E PATH, which is the European. European. It also has AusPath, and I don't know if there are others. I mean, I don't know. There might be like okay. NZ PATH. I, I, in my, I think there is a chronological order, if, if that's what you're wondering. Yeah. Um, around about last August, um, E PATH, which is European version of W PATH, gave or certainly heralded that they were going to um, give a conference in Killarney in April and my eyes kind of <laughs> I kind of was like oh what 
<laughs> my country, <laughs> these these renegades, these absolute out of control medicalized Svengali. So you have an issue with with them. their methodology. I think they've medicalized. I think they've been completely overtaken by trans activists and their authority as you know world you know professional authority of transgender health has been badly kind of um, ruined by their dreadful decisions. So that happened in August and I, I just kind of, my, my eyes widened because they were coming to Ireland. So that happened. Then a month later they released their famous standards of care. And you can correct me whenever I go wrong. Mm-hmm. And when they released that, they, they, they embarrassed themselves. They discredited themselves because in the standards of care, they had a chapter on eunuchs. They had a chapter on non-binary. They chose not to have a chapter on detransitioners, which is the identity and the real issue of, not the identity, but the real issue. And they also decided to take out the proposed chapter on ethics. Um, which, which had been written. Which had been written, which people I know had been authors of. And so what they did with that dreadful self-identified standards of care, because it's, it's not an appropriate term for what they released, was awful. And our colleague, Joe Burgo, who's vice director of Genspect, created this amazing website called Beyond WPATH, which said WPATH discredited themselves with this terrible document. Sign here, like, like and all sorts of professionals and clinicians, everybody joined in, thousands of signatures saying this is a, a joke. And still, I was aware that they were coming to Ireland, just kind of thinking about it. And then, yeah, yeah, do you follow me? I was still. And then around about November, I thought we should have a counter conference. We should have a counter conference at the same town, in the same place, at the same time and hold them to account. And I told a few people, you would have been quite sick at the time. I told a few people and people were like, yeah, that's a terrible idea. You know, have you not got enough trouble in your life? Do you know what I mean? And I was like, all right. And you know when you have just a fledgling idea and it goes nowhere, you just go, ooh. Yeah. And then I said it to Alistair and he's like, that's a brilliant idea. What you, what you, <laughs> said, what you said is we can't, what I remember is, because yeah. I'm quite ill, so it's yeah. um, was we can't do nothing. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Was, I think, but I think you were articulating a thought that you, you had been going mm. on for months. Like we can't do nothing. Why? Yeah. Like, why would? Why would one professional organization be in danger from another professional organization? Like what? Why would you guys be scared, or why would that be trouble or stress for you to challenge EPath out in the open? Well, that's very interesting because I would say EPath, WPath, have have just gone their merry way. And they were a niche organisation who were doing their own thing and nobody was going near them. And as gender has exploded in the last few years, there must be 99 organisations on our side of the world who just think WPATH are terrible and the, the, the advice they're promoting is terrible. And, the, you know, what I mean, everything they stand for, their ideology, frankly, is, is really harming people. But we've never gone to them. We've never... We've never been on the stage with them. Their entire approach to our all our existence, and there's many organisations on our side of the fence, has been no debate. Hashtag no debate. We won't talk to you. So nobody has spoken to WPATH. Nobody has really challenged WPATH because they had just had this, you know, no debate. We will not be beside you. And so I thought, well, they'll do no debate. Well, we can have a conference in the same town to kind of, challenge the no debate approach does that answer okay. you yeah 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 so so the the dna deep in the thought of this conference was different positions 
a coming together and kind of a more of an, an open forum and even is it would it be justified to say even a, a turning toward debate or running yeah. to debate yeah, yeah because there yeah, were loads of ten, not there were loads of potential tensions because you can think of them that you're bringing people together who have very different expertise the different viewpoints agree on this topic but they might be coming at it from like a women's rights point of view they might be coming at it as a parent they might be coming at it as a detransitioner they're going to have quite different perspectives on what we want to discuss and so there's potentially like you can see disagreements and there's a it's and it's like i think our attitudes is very much and, and maybe those are conversations which need to happen and yeah. if they happen they happen if the if this is the right forum in which they happen, yeah. and if it's not, it's not. And I think they did, and they didn't. It certainly felt incredibly convivial. Yeah, it was so. But a key, a key part of where we were coming from was they have a basically a medicalized approach to gender. You've got a gender problem. Here's the doctors. Here's the estrogen. Here's the hormones. Here's the medical. Here's how we can help you. Here's yeah. how we can affirm. And it's all medical. Well. Our approach is, well, what about the impact on society? What about the sociological implications, the cultural, the legal? What about on feminists? What about in schools? What about psychologically? How does that impact? And what are the medical implications? Yes. So we have the full range yeah. of, this is a bigger picture, you can look <laughs> at the title. We have a full range of, wow, when somebody talks about their gender, there's many, many strands to that conversation. Well, they have medicalized. Yeah. Literally, they've no and, other. And forward, we're going forward, and we're medicalizing. This yeah. is the proper path. And if that doesn't work for you, then essentially, it's like, well, it's just treated entirely like, well, you ordered something in a restaurant you didn't like. Shame about it. Yeah. You know, so there's no whole person care no. at all. The opposite of holistic. Yes, precisely. Yeah, totally. Kind of. I always think it's like a vending machine. It's like you punch in your number, and and that's it. And they're kind of finished with you. And yeah. so it was as holistic as possible. Basically, is, yeah. is what we wanted to do. We wanted to bring in. So, so you have EPath. You're challenging EPath, but on on this other side that you guys are representing of this tension between EPath, which are the lauded standards that are being implemented within the med they are the authorities so far as all these medical organizations only because they've this. got there first and nobody else challenged them but okay. yes yeah. self identified so, so there's a tension between epath and genspect but yeah. genspect is also in seeing all the, is in between all these other yeah this multitude of of point of view so bringing them all together so there's a lot of internal tensions and, and activities and, and to do a lot of conversation to happen just amongst each other but also kind of alongside epath so that's the idea yeah so when did it start to like become a reality what was the first kind of cracklings out February. was it well remember we sent that email in just before christmas to helen joyce was it before christmas oh yeah. you, okay you need to do everything yeah. to do a time because <laughs> i keep looking at you thinking what it was the 18th of december but oh, right, she okay, checked sorry. it I... because uh, it was quite funny actually because um, we we were in the little cafe in Clough Jordan, which is five minutes from here. Was that December? Yeah, it was right. the week before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas, and Christmas is on a Sunday, and um, we we were very much right. Let's do it, like. And I said, well, we could start. Obviously, Helen Joyce should be the keynote speaker. She's Irish. She hasn't given her due, hasn't been given her due kind of recognition that she should be getting an Ireland. She she's written a massive 
thorough account of transgenderism in her book, Trans. Key point, trans ideology. Do you know what I mean? She really kind of hones in on the ideology and she says when ideology meets reality. And she says, this is not a book about trans, this is a book about trans ideology. And she wrote about it and she is very forensic, brilliant, you know. What Historical. Is yeah, yeah. Her turn of phrase is yeah. quite she, something. And she's so sharp and she, you mm. know, she was an editor of The Economist and you can see it in her, yeah. you know. And so she'd written that she's Irish, didn't get her just acknowledgement from Ireland and we really crow about our little successes. <laughs> that was very unusual. And um, so she was the obvious choice for the keynote speaker. Who else would it be but Helen? And uh, we were in the cafe and I said, well, will I just email her? And he said, yeah, you know, as in if she comes, it'll create a conflict. Okay, so that, that's kind of like, so you guys have the idea, but you want that little, like, like the yeah. oyster has a little bit of grain. You need you something know, to build it around. Exactly. Okay. You know, you've got an idea and it's like, are we going to do this? Well, okay. Let's do, either yeah. let's do it or let's yeah. not do it. And so I wrote this email and there is the humor's coming to say, so I wrote this email kind of going, hi, Helen, hope you're well, busy coming up to Christmas. We're going to do this conference, la, 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 la. And she came back immediately and said, yes, brilliant, love to, thanks. Talk to you after Christmas. I was like, oh, right, game on, conference is going to happen. So Alistair said this story at the conference and she came up to me going... <laughs> so funny, she came up to me as well. Yeah. Um, she came up to me and said, well, the way you wrote that email was like it was the hotel was booked, it was all organised. Because <laughs> I wrote it very confidently. Apparently. But, uh, yeah. But actually, it was the first email, yeah. So that was a little embarrassing because then she was showing it to everybody. Look, and she went around <laughs> saying, "I can't she believe." Said, she said, "It's the epitome of build it and they'll come." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I think the word is chutzpah. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so she did. She immediately said, "Yeah," and she got the idea, the concept of counter conference. Same town, same yeah. place. Okay. We need to widen it. There's a very well known phrase in in gender world which is are the children insistent persistent and consistent and we thought we will be insistent persistent and consistent yeah we're going to be okay. wherever they are okay saying okay. our piece yeah. yeah yeah okay so you have a keynote speaker mm-hmm. this is a conference mm-hmm. you know the town mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess this is kind of like a little technical but like how did it kind of like how did you start to attract and build like what you want flesh out the vision like what was what were some of the balancing acts and I, I know because of course people would be left out and so there's probably some hurt feeling somewhere oh God, yeah. but I want to I want to kind of understand how you put together because just getting ahead of ourselves it was such a powerful magnetic yeah and and maybe i'm kind of cheating because i basically interviewed completely on accident or unintentionally many key players in this i just kind of happened to just be asking questions all these people so watching them all meet together and really enjoy each other it was fun and somebody said i I don't know if it's helen or not but it was the only conference that she's ever been to where people stayed in the conference room until the hotel closed because everybody has so much said that people were there until 11 o'clock the staff were kind of yeah. So looking well, at us key, thinking we'd like to put the chairs in, away now. In fairness, key part was we said open the bar at 7 o'clock. <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe other conferences don't open the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but people yeah, would have fairness. just gone downstairs to the bar in the hotel. Right? Yeah. People would have yeah. stayed yeah. talking yeah. to one yeah. another. Yeah. It was, it was, was an no amazing kind energy. of like, oh, we've, we've finished with the work. Yeah. So, so okay, so just for just for the like the arc of like yeah. what you wanted to present, you had Helen, Joyce. And what we and wanted was... How did was, you build yeah. around that? What we wanted was the disciplines, if you follow me. And I'm no doubt there are hurt feelings. And it was, it was more haphazard than 
then maybe it looked by the end of it it looked like we had been so concise and getting getting one person from every discipline it was basically who did we know from each discipline that we could ask to represent okay legal who we get leisha obviously self-id and okay so okay so how do we know what what are these different divisions disciplines yeah yeah what are these so there'd be let's say helen joyce and and maya first data were representing the kind of the, the, they're very about like kind of policy and women's rights and where does the woman stand if a trans woman can identify <coughs> into womanhood yeah. where is the woman so they have that covered great done now what else do we need to do you know what I mean what other disciplines so we had for example Eliza, we had a wish list in our mind I, I'm not doing these in any kind of order I'll just throw in a couple of things like we had Eliza who really brings such an interesting take on how doubly pathory path of these organisations a kind of interacting within the interplay between them and the actual youth trans reddit kind of culture that she can show you like this is what's going on and then that's what's going on over the road this is what's going on on, online you can see how these feed one another and um, we had stephanie so stephanie brings a lot of expertise stephanie davis and she's a transgender trend and she's trans- been studying this and for, and for many she, years she would have been a, yeah the media and and the propaganda and then other aspects and the harm to children and the harm to children and she's okay. been there since 2016 2015 and she would be kind of a, an essential aspect of this bigger tent if you follow me we're trying to do the big tent get in everybody she was there at the beginning saying how trans kid what's this phrase what is a trans child yeah where did that come from so she was an essential and um she was on our list so we asked her and she came back very sharpish and said yeah Mm -hmm. yeah." and then and then there's the research arm which is the medical arm and and just just for a a sub point the medical arm it's not like science isn't science anymore science is politics right now especially in transgender health so how did you go about figuring out what scientists would bring what kind of information that would be brave enough or willing to do this? If you aren't brave, then that answers itself, because then you've got Lisa Lippmann. Like, <laughs> yeah, if, like, if we're just going to do it on courage, then it's like, okay, yeah. so she qualifies. Yeah. And she brought in, she coined the phrase ROGD. Rapid, rapid onset, onset Gender, gender dysphoria. dysphoria. Yeah. She coined it, she, she faced down, she released through Brown University, later on left Brown University. It was awful, awful, kind of treated very, very badly. And so she was studying the phenomena of all these girls identifying as trans in, in clusters. Yeah. She wanted to, and so she did a preliminary research that was then politicized almost instantaneously because it was... Literally, yeah. It was unfortunate for a, a, the other dominant narrative that... It was, it broke apart the dominant na- narrative, which is there's some sort of gender identity within you. And instead she said, listen, there's clusters of teenage girls who have an awful lot of mental health issues. And uh, there it's kind of spreading within the groups and if you know uh, another child who has trans, you're much more likely to identify as trans. So this was really, a, you know, the epitome of a, a social contagion as such. And so we emailed her and fortunately she was in on holidays in Scotland at the time and said, yeah, I'll come over for that. And I was like, <laughs> and when people like Lisa Lippman said she'd break her holiday to come over... Yeah. I was like, we're sitting on an amazing idea. Like, I knew it was mm. an amazing idea. Yeah. I didn't know other people would see it was an amazing idea. Yeah. And then we were also conscious that some people would be going to the EPATH conference anyway. So let's say Ken Zucker, he's four decades in in working with gender distressed kids. 
And I knew he'd be at Epath. Well, I hoped he'd be at Epath. So yeah. I emailed him and he said, yeah, sure. Basically, I'll come down the road and give, give a talk. talk. Yeah. But in the end, he stayed and he actually attended everything and emailed me afterwards saying it was absolutely terrific and he really enjoyed it. So that was mm-hmm. lovely because he is a really eminent kind of expert in the field. Yeah. Oh, so people would disagree with him. That's irrelevant. We wanted disagreement. Mm-hmm. We actively, we don't want, oh, you're all great and we all agree. That would make it a bit of a falling down the very same problems that WPATH fell yeah, down. Because we, then you can't yeah. then you can't renegotiate anything. You can't say, hold on a minute. No. Yeah, you, you need to be open to So we kind of wanted to bring people together from different fields that wouldn't agree yeah. and we'd get to a better place. I was certainly very interested in getting Michael Biggs because he's been so forensic. He's and can a, you just give a little precise... Yeah. His, he's, uh, he's a sociologist from Oxford and he kind of... Without his kind of... Um, relentless freedom of information requests to the JIDs at the Tavistock, which is the biggest gender identity clinic in the world for children. He just kept on sending in freedom of information requests to find out what was going on at this clinic. And as a result of his continuous stream of freedom of information um, requests, he found out that the mental health of, of children on puberty blockers wasn't better as a result of being on puberty blockers. He found out that the myths around suicide wasn't at all accurate and that actually in the 10-year period of JIDS, kind of the explosion of gender distress in JIDS in London in the Tavistock, that there was 4 out of 15,000 children died by suicide. And that's four tragedies, but it's not a high level. And, you know, it's, it's in keeping... It's not 40%. You know, it's nowhere near. And yeah. it's in keeping with mental health distress in general. You yeah. know what I mean? So when he said yes, it was like, well, now we've got really big names. So we just have to make sure that okay. all the other, let's say, Heather Brunskill-Evans, pioneering kind of feminist who's kind of an expert in queer theory. And, and good to and have philosophy. somebody who will defend... Because she, she comes in, she's like, I'm defending Foucault. And I, yeah. I have to say I disagree with her. But you, okay. it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for the, the brain. There's one other person who said yes, and it was fabulous. And then it went wrong because she couldn't oh. make it, which was Abigail Schreier. Mm. We I, were so excited oh, when she said yes. I actually... Yeah, I think I nearly opened a special bottle or something, and then she couldn't make it. But it's kind of like... It's a bit of a consolation prize, but it's like, but she would have, she which would've. is the main thing. So right? she wrote yeah. Irreversible Damage, and that was a game changer <sighs> for so many people in America. And yes. she was open to coming. Yeah, so there were yes. so yes, many others. Up. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there's there's a there's a, a dividing line between the people that you, you're speaking of now. I'm going to bring up two categories. 
And one category is a category that I know well, and the other category is a category that you have been working with. Um, or So there's the professionals, and then there's the people on the street. There's the detransitioners, yeah. and there's the transparents. And I had never actually interacted with the transparents, so that really... But you have now, because I we have had dinner now. with them. We've had dinner with them, and yeah. that have really you? changed. Uh, it showed a whole other level of the suffering that is being perpetuated by the rapid medicalization of children that is just so beyond like reason and you know for the limitations of my channel and maybe because these women need to mostly women some men need to process this it, it seems like it's really difficult to get the interview so i've been able to do the detransitioners mm -hmm. um but you've been able to um kind of strip the the kind of anonymize their stories and and, and share their stories so I, i'm wondering um what what about the what about the non-professionals? What were your attitudes and and the goal with with opening up for them? Or like what what did you hope to help or achieve with bringing those two groups? Well, I think the first thing to say is that everyone's viewpoint is is valid. Now, that's not to say that Everybody's expertise right. is equivalent to a lack of expertise. I'm not going to say my views on like um, puberty blockers are equally as informed as, as Michael Biggs or somebody. Of course I'm not. But poli in the political sense, and in a wider sense, a kind of almost like a spiritual sense or a psychological sense, certainly. Everyone there is... There was no kind of, like, like a feeling of, like, rank or anything like no. that. So it was important for people to be able to come and say, I disagree, and, and I don't have those particular letters after my name. And there was, it was, that was very much the spirit. I'm quite emotional about the extent to which it helped the parents parents I know yeah. and what they said and just part of it is just that very basic thing of finally physically meeting somebody when you've been working with somebody and you know these really intimate things about them for, for three and years tell, so, tell yes. about your series yeah, so, so yeah. What, what have the parents been doing so you're, you're serious but what I learned was that I learned more about these support groups so just oh, tell wow. like could you tell like the history of what the parent how the parents came together and well the parents have been coming together for for years for many years now but it started very very small so you had basically Denise from fourth wave now kind of was as I understand it, the first person to enter a search term and find nothing and then think, well, I'd better do something. And mm -hmm. then, so everything's kind of fl flowed out of that. And then you've yeah. got various different support groups. And so what I did is I, for those who don't know very briefly, is I got managed to get into one. I managed to kind of buy their trust. Not exactly a support group. They had a separate meeting for yeah. me. Okay, so you were vetted. These, pe I, these people are very private and they have to be very private. Yes. They are, but there's a change. I know we're not supposed to say it. Yeah. If we had done this conference, I hope I'm not going off on a tangent here. No, do it. If we had done this conference a year ago, we would have had five times as many emails about where will the cameras be? I need to avoid the cameras. I need to, maybe yeah. not five, twice though. Yeah. People walk, were walking in and out of that hotel with Jen Speck and Lanyards. Yeah. There was no obsessive... Secrecy. Nobody said to us well, at the beginning, you need to make an announcement to people to hide their liners. Now, I think that would have happened. Now, I don't want to overstate it, but I think there was a... I think that it gave people a confidence. A real... Mm. It felt... I think, in a way, though, I think we set the tone because we chose not to be pathologically yes. secretive yes. about the conference. Yeah. We chose to be forthright and really reasonably open. Yes. We were going to be in Killarney and we're, we weren't going to hide in the shadows and have a, a secret conference. 
And that gives other people confidence, if you follow me. And it has to be a fine line between confidence and foolhardy, which we try to straddle and it seems to have worked. But um, I, I started, let's say, parent support groups in, you know, at COVID 2020. And I found a huge secret network of devastation, just devastation. Families ripped apart. These were vulnerable families when their kids were at their lowest depth. Maybe they'd been bullied or they certainly had other diagnoses, definite mental health problems. They went online, which teenagers do when they're distressed more so than any other time. And they uh, found trans and thought trans was going to be the big solution. And these devastated parents were lonely and on their own. And they came to these support meetings that I ran as a result of being free because of the lockdown. And I, I, I unearthed this awful, this awful world of devastation that was horrifying. At the same time, Alistair was living about 25 minutes from me. Unbeknownst to you. Unbeknownst to me. And when did you get into it? So I got into March 2020, the parents as such. What, what, what was you, a year later? No, a year, no, no. At the exact no. same time? No, later, but probably about June 2020. Wow. Probably. Just down the road. It would be difficult to say because I, I would say, so March 2020, as everyone, as everyone yeah. remembers what they were doing in March 2020, and I would say that I'd already seen Evergreen. Now, if oh. it weren't for your Evergreen thing, I wouldn't have seen, I wouldn't have gone elsewhere into your channel, and then I wouldn't have seen that interview, and then blah, blah, blah. So you so, saw an interview of a mom, it's I, an anonymous interview, I just recently right. republished it. Um, yes, about and a I mom found talking it about her daughter. extraordinarily powerful. And it echoed something for you. It, we don't know what, but something Lots about that. Something well, about Just give yeah. us a tidbit, Alistair. Yeah. Um, I suppose I could see myself in the way she spoke, I, I suppose I just heard her talk about her daughter and thought that's uh, that's a, the kind of thing I would have done, or but not not specifically, not in a gender kind of way. Just like I know that kind of I have. How do you put it? I could feel the sense of lostness in the child coming yeah. through in the mother's voice and I could feel the pain of the mother and I could I, there was something about her where you just knew like she's she's a good person like you know, sure she's got her faults but it just came through and I suppose I just kind of thought you know we all put our parents through a bit of crap yeah. but there was something about it which just yeah sort of spoke to me yeah yeah so then I, I signed up to this forum and met these people and they were they were genuine people have to remember things have changed so much mm. so quickly they were genuinely delighted that the, my, oh my god! Well, and a gay man, and and I came and I said I'm gay, and what, how, what was of, your pitch? What, what, why yeah. It you? was basically just you know I just want you to know that there are people who are gay who disagree with this because I kind of thought this is all being done LGBT, which I'd never thought about that deeply. Didn't massively care. I'm not very, never been in the gay rights, you know, whatever. Um, and so I just wanted to say like you know hi, I'm here, I'm gay. I just want you to know so you can. If nothing else, you can tell yourself, look, at least there are gay people. And the level of gratitude, now <laughs> now we've got gays against groomers. Now it's like throw yeah. a stone in any direction and you can hit somebody who's gay and is gender critical and prepared to talk about it. Now, I'm not, I'm not the first, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I was the first... To introduce yourself to, 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 to kind of say, specifically, I'm just going to go into this parent was. forum. Yeah. yeah. And... Credit to Marge Bouvier Simpson, who runs Gender Critical Resources, because she could, it's kind of soft vetted, and she could have said, 
not letting this person in, but she didn't. She took the risk. So that kind of is, you know, part of it. And um, they, it, it was very meaningful to them because the homophobia accusation is particularly pernicious. It's extremely yeah. difficult to refute. If I call you a homophobe, you end up sort of weak. It's like some of my best friends are black. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. end up weakly sort of state, and it's like, well, there's no answer to it. There's no answer. Yeah. To it. Yeah. So yeah. I kind yeah, of gave way. them an answer that they could say. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. Actually, no. But could, but know. so you went in there. <coughs> What to learn or to give support, and then what did you find there, I and how did you change? Were you were you seeking a restitution of uh, your relationship to your parents by dealing with parents? Was it was it was it? Oh, well, did the mothers remind you of your mum? Yeah, because they all was, have yeah. one universal feature, which is that they're all clever. And I'm the, the, from a clever family. The mothers are all clever. The mothers are all clever. The children, well, the kids are all clever. The children are all And also, yeah. I, would, I just think generally, even like people like profoundly disagree, I think this is just something which interests people who are a bit clever. That sounds very arrogant. I think <coughs> it's probably true that this interests people who, this is going to sound very strange, but who are slightly clumsier as well. <laughs> Do you know out what I mean? Because they're yeah, slightly out of their body, and if you grow up feeling yeah. slightly out of your body, you're a bit. So it's. I'm not. This isn't like some kind of. You know. But yeah, probably. Hmm. And and I an articulate and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there was probably a bit of that in there, and I think so. And then also, my goodness, subconsciously, like lots of different things. Yeah. Going on yeah. because it turns out that. There's a grooming. There, there to is. This. this is something that we. I don't think we spoke about the con- conference, and it's. I, I, oh, well, I did very briefly. Yeah. I alluded to. The, there is an aspect. I think. I think there is. There's pre work going on. Like Eliza Mondegreen is working on how the the, the 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 like the collective grooming of each it's other. But, but you are. You have studied and you have experienced as we've explored earlier. Like targeted grooming. Yeah, we almost need two words because there's kind of like one-on-one sexual coercion of an adult to a child. Yeah. And then you've got like what Gays Against Groomers doing. They're talking about school and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-grooming. So, yeah, so there's an argument that grooming is a really useful umbrella term. The, the problem I have is we don't at the minute have a term for one of those things underneath the umbrella, which yeah. is the direct sexual... Maybe yeah. we just call it direct sexual grooming. Yeah. It's not great, but for now... Um, and so, for context, so by this point, I've already started my detransitioner series, yeah. and that is where girls are speaking out, and and girls already have a network through the amazing Very work that so. women have done, yeah. either feminists or non-feminists. So girls have a place to stand, mm-hmm. girls have a place to speak, and girls have an audience. The boys are mysteriously missing at this point, and you see an opportunity to talk about the boys and you write well at least you write some articles about that so where was the germination for that idea and why did you want to speak to that so partly that was meeting somebody i'm going to call coral who runs a support group for parents of boys and she was on this forum and she, we, we just got talking uh, irreversible damage had come out there was a lot of and irreversible damage by Abigail Schreiber is explicitly about girls. It's explicitly yeah. about yes. girls. 
well, no, of course, a lot of the themes are applicable to boys. Yes. But it, yeah. So there was a huge amount of, you know, joy, frankly, and relief, and uh, like, okay, hooray, somebody's talking about it. And the boy parents, we call them boy parents, it's a very strange phrase, the parents of the boys, um, I think not one of them felt anything other shared had anything other than shared joy because there's such a camaraderie yeah. but it's like there's a piece missing so I kind of thought I'd do sort of a, I saw it as a footnote really or the kind of an appendix yeah. that might be useful um, although of course I'm a completely different person and writing a different way and she's a his, you know she's a seasoned journalist so whatever um, so I interviewed the parents I, I, of boys of boys and emailed John Kay of Quillette and he said yes, which I was very surprised about. And I asked for a word limit and he said anything up to 30,000 words. Did he say that? Yeah, because he said we can always serialise it, mm. which is what happened in the end. And um, <laughs> and so I spoke to one parent and then there was a pause and then I spoke to another parent who's the parent who runs Pitt. Oh, very good. And she kind of went back to the group and said... Here ye. You're all right. I think it's okay. Okay. Then they kind of came a little bit thicker and faster. And then at the end, I was turning people away. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've got the deadline. I can't have any more words. Wow. Okay. Um, so that work you did, and we've spoken about that before, and I will link that in the description, is... So it, it's great work for the boys, but what that does, I think, is it bonds you very deeply to the parents. The parents see that this is a man that we can trust, and you develop deep relationships with these parents. And Stella, you're developing. Yeah, and the, while he was writing that, we didn't know each other. We lived near each other. So yeah. And I, I've driven back and forth between yeah. our houses. Can you see the absurdity now you've done that drive? It's yeah. like... So he was writing that. I didn't know he was writing that, but I did. I was. I'd started in, in like, like I said, March 2020, and was running lots of parents groups. And lockdown had happened, so I had loads of time. I was running a series of them, and it started with mix, but then we divided them into parents of boys, parents of girls, parents, and age, of, and eventually parents of young teens, parents of old teens. We said 17 and under, 17 and over, because 17 was such a, a difficult age, because at 18 they would often medicalise. So... That was the, a, a key point. And then parents of estranged kids, then parents of adults. So there was loads of different parents groups all over the place. And that was the GDSN, Gender Dysphoria Support Network. So I was setting that up. All it was doing was basically replicating the AA Al-Anon model, which is support groups, support groups, support groups. Yeah. And I thought it would help the parents, and it did. It gave them great strength. They all started finding friends. They, uh, by the way, that year, while he was writing, I noticed more and more you'd hear, I'm parents of boys, parents of boys. And I used mm. to think, God, the parents of boys are very strong. <laughs> the parents of boys were ma really making their presence felt as yeah. the months rolled yeah. on. Yeah. And then I realised, Support groups isn't enough. We need to have an organisation and we need to have a front-facing, media-driven organisation that moves beyond the GDSN, which is support groups, and into... There's a huge political problem here. If thousands of parents, and it was clearly thousands of parents, all saying the same thing, my very distressed ADHD, ASD kid has got caught up in something and they're gullible and naive and awkward and you know they're all saying the same thing and I thought the media that this we need to get out of here so I started to kind of think of the concept of genspect and starting to come out from the shadows they were all pathologically secretive everything yes. was incredibly yes. secret so was I. 
So are you. But he enjoys secrecy. I don't. I have come from a secret childhood and I I very Mm. much rejected it in early adulthood. I I do believe the concept. There's a very well-known line in psychotherapy, which is you're as sick as your secrets. I like it. I think it's true. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's it's often rooted in shame, secrecy. So I I wanted to come out from the secrets. So I started the concept of Jen Specht and that was rolling along. And one of the parents that contacted me saying, there's a a gentleman near you and you really should meet him. He's interested in parents. And I says, oh yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, most, you know. And I was very open to it, but nothing happened. I said, yeah, that'd be lovely. But I... And he's in and he's in Clockjoy, which is a very without going into it's a very specific. You guys drop these words. Clockjoy. It's in in the nearby village. Clockjordan. Clockjordan is the little cafe which is where we we thought of the concept of the conference. Remember, I said we were in a little cafe. Okay, so the guy there. Well, it's kind of like. It's a funny, t- without going it's a well known it's hippie, it's got a little hippie kind of okay. Well, it's also a well known, This Ireland is a very Catholic country. Now, my husband is Protestant and my children are Protestant, so I'm not... Not, not, all, not all Catholic, yeah. No, but Clot Jordan is well known as a little Protestant village. And when they said his name, I thought, oh, he must be one of those Protestant gentlemen farmers. So do you remember on the way over, I pointed out a Protestant house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a dilapidated, a dilapidated kind of, you know, stories of old glory kind the of... The kind of Victorian, Yeah, boxy, old-fashioned. Yeah. And I had this image of man, maybe slightly odd. Wait, and so you heard his name, Alistair Gunn. Yeah, and off I went. Protestant farmer. (laughs) 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 That probably lived on his own and didn't say boo to anybody. Probably very odd. And I'm sure it would be very nice to meet him for a cup of tea. (laughs) And that would be it. And then she came at me again a few months later. And I said, I'd be delighted to meet him. And did I invite you over or something? You know, you rang... Well, yeah, you rang me and then you invited me over for dinner. And no, okay. I think I think to get it right though is you said you'd written something and I say I said, oh, said send it. I said send it over and he was coming for dinner the next day and I thought I better read this. It was thirty two thousand words. I didn't know that. I wouldn't have opened it. <laughs> Eight hundred words. Sixty four page word document or whatever it was. Somebody's come for dinner. You think I better have a flick through yeah, yeah, what yeah. they're sending me, and. Um, <laughs> But actually, I stayed up all night reading it. It was very compelling. So don't forget, I was going on a parallel journey. Yes. So when he was talking about the parents, I knew these people. I actually knew. So we were connected by somebody who lives in the United States, and we lived 25 minutes away. And he'd written, about, he'd written about parents who were coming to my meetings. Yeah. yeah. And we hadn't met. Okay. Yeah. And then we met. And so he, I was, I was in the weeds of beginning Gen Specht, and then he came in like a, you know, a man with a cloak. And gave it the, the technological oomph okay, so, that it needed. So just just briefly, so you have this idea of a of an organization that is out there that can forward facing that public. can be a portal or that can start to send a signal that this is an issue and and if you're having this issue, here's here's resources. So yes, some some exactly. some place that hooks people up with other and will speak people. to the media on behalf of parents okay. because the parents can't speak because they're absolutely gagged yeah. because their children are in distress it, but it I is, could speak because yeah, I'm a psychotherapist it is impossible to overstate just how impacted I and I didn't know this until getting some time spending some time with these oh. parents just how deeply 
this trans identification really affects them on it in and I, I will try it's to do more I, I have to do more to really mm -hmm. flesh that out but there's something really deeply deep going on mm -hmm. that really shatters like a like a faith in 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 a lot of things well yeah you know when you realize queer theory is essentially anti-family it's I, essentially anti-family and yeah. pro-pedophilia i won't even go that really? far i will go that far really yeah Huh. At least, at least the people who invented it and, and uh, went along with it or okay, produced yeah. it uh, yeah. were all about eroding every single boundary. They want to erode every boundary, but if you can't, if you if you can erode the family, you get the kids. And mm -hmm. whether it's ideologically for like some sort of color revolution or personally, so again, like there's a cultural aspect and there's the personal aspect. So this can be used to shape society or to get uh, satis personal satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And if you release the energy and the bonds of the family, and it has, and I, I can't state to the audience enough, enough just how good it has been at being absolutely awful. Dismantling yes. lovely families yeah. all over the world. And I'm so glad we've had the opportunity just to spend that time that we've spent with them because you like, you know, you sit down, you cook with them and you realize it's just, it's just absurd, this, the, the way that they've been treated yes. is just absolutely... Because they're called transphobes, they're called Nazis, they're called fascists, they're moms. And children, just like has happened in history before, children are, are set against their parents. Yes. Gullible, naive that children. Yes. These are not savvy kids, these are kind of soft, gullible kids are set against their parents. There, there's, is, it's like a D&D &D character with very low, like, social intelligence, <laughs> but very high, like, you know, technical intelligence. Yeah. There's all, they're all lopsided, and, and they're gifted in that way, but they're totally weak in another way. And a good society would be helping them to focus on that strength they've got and bring it up, yeah. while also saying, you've also got some weaknesses here, and mm. these need to be addressed, and that's not what's happening mm. at all. I, I agree with you. I mean, it's deeply anti-family. I think it's deeply anti-mother. Yeah. I think sometimes it's deeply anti-father as well. Oh, yeah, honest. but deeply, yeah. Um, yeah. And... Well, it's been... Well, I can hear the comments saying it's been anti-father for 50, 60 uh, years, and now it's going after the mothers after it got the fathers out of the way. I can I see that. I personally would agree. I mean, oh, well, uh, and there's all weight. <laughs> okay. There's a long, long history <laughs> in psychology of blaming the mother, you know what I mean? Okay, let's... let's. Uh, I would like to hear this. Her mother's place topic, is in the wrong, to quote my yeah. mother. If it's so, not one thing, it's the mother. <laughs> Why, why do you think that is? Like, uh, are you well, talking about Fro Freud? Freud like and, yeah, from Freud onwards, you know, and then, you know, if you go into the actual history, different brilliant theorists would look to the mother, almost unconsciously, maybe, I think quite unconsciously, misogynistic, their own kind of the, 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 the mother being such a figurehead in the family, such a shaping of yes. everybody's personality, mine, yours, all of ours, whether they were absent or not, the mother looms larger in child rearing yes yeah. and as a result psychology which looks to how was your childhood well the mother is much bigger in the picture she's more there so yeah. she's a bigger story so, so she, she gets more threat. blamed yeah. Yeah. and then you look at you know um attachment theory and you know winnicott and things like that where they were well, it was the mother. How was your attachment with your mother? Did your mother give you a good attachment? Because that has styled all your relationships from then on. Then you look at autism and they had this concept called the refrigerator mom. Hmm. Uh, did you not hear about no, that? No, is this like a munchie mom or...? Well, in no, um, in about the, oh, I'll probably get the dates wrong, but around 50s, 60s, when autism was kind of being discovered, they said that these children came from 
refrigerator, cold, unfeeling mothers. Again, blaming the mother. Yeah, okay. You you know what I mean? So there's a long, hard history about blaming the mothers. And then it felt it was all getting replicated. And when anorexia came, they went straight for the mothers. There was a difficulty. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Big thing in the 60s, 70s, 80s, the mothers, the mothers, the mothers around anorexia. So there's a strong history of it. And then you've got the father thing. But yeah, so we were all about the family. Then... We started Genspect, he arrived about a month or two before we, you know, about June 21, so a year after our first foray into parents, secret parent groups, and we tried to come out into the open, and we were talking to the media, and we were working very, very well, and becoming a bigger organisation, quite quickly realised it's not enough just to be parents, we're going to have to cover everything. Yeah. And so we rebranded, brought in detransitioners. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, so it started as a parent. A voice for parents. A voice for parents. But then you look at this, this other uh, cohort. Law. Well, yeah. and then there's another thing which is slightly a slight side put, but occasionally like grandparents, brothers and sisters Sibling. as well, because we Familial. were so parents yeah. and yeah. actually... You know, there's there's other people in the family. They, yeah. they, obviously, parents is, is the thrust of it, but that was kind of another thing yeah. that was in our minds yeah. as well. And then detransitioners and to sisters. Yeah. And um, spouses? Or is that another thing? Just approach that. Yeah, briefly. we, we yeah. wanted to bring in that. GDSN, the first organisation I fo- formed, very much wanted to run a support group for, for, for trans widows, is what they're called. And I think they have their own support group going. And they, I think as far as I can see, they could see that they, they didn't really want to join forces. We were very into joining forces, yes. bringing things together. So you opened the, you opened the invitation, you're open yeah, to that. Very just open a, to it. Yeah, very open Yeah, they were doing their own thing, doing it well as far as I can see. But yeah, so then Genspec formed and we were getting bigger and bigger and realising that it's not enough. There's, there's, there's way too many, um, way too many things to be done. And so we rebranded it as, rather than a voice for parents, we went a healthy approach to sex and gender. Yes. Just covering okay. it all and just trying to kind of bring different organisations together, trying to get a bit of a collegiate vibe going because there's feminists over here, yeah. the psychologists over there, they're not talking to each other. And there's, you know, sociologists here and there's women's rights here. And the, it was amazingly, for, for some, we're all talking on Twitter, but we're in our silos. And so... By having the famous conference, maybe a year and a half, is it after we first formed Genspect, we brought everybody together. Yes. I think for the first time there was a real coming together. People who knew each other and who were experts in their field but had never met each other. And it was really warm. So many people like, I love your work, I love your work. It yeah. was very, very friendly and convivial. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was. I found it. I'll be honest and say I found it extremely painful because... That's, you're meeting two different sorts of people. You're meeting people you know incredibly intimately for three years and not met. And you're meeting like famous, incredibly talented people you've always wanted to meet. And you get eight minutes with it. it it's yeah. just so, so, you know, I spoke to like Sue Evans for like eight minutes. It's like, I don't want to talk to you for eight minutes. I want to talk to you for three days. Yeah. And people, and like that goes for those people. And then... Yeah. And then the people I've worked with, and just it was just felt kind of almost a bit cruel. Never that's to do with my situation because I may not see a lot. Of th- I probably won't see these people again, do you know. And so it was. I, I wish it had been a month. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was very bittersweet because I imagine. Did you expect that? 
not to the level that it was. Really? I, I fell apart. I went, I left. When Afterwards. I left that room on Saturday, I ugly cried for two hours. Oh, Pat. I know. Because it was just so... Cause it, but not... You know, I'm, I'm so happy about it, but, but it was so bittersweet because it's like, just like Sasha. Like I, I talked to Sasha for like ten minutes. Do you know what I mean? Because there was just so many people. There was this moment on... Oh, whatever day it was. I think it was Saturday afternoon. We're like... In an hour, there were like so many people came up to me that I really wanted to have a deep conversation with, and I just, just you know. Well, so all that means is we just have to keep doing them. <laughs> and I've been, I kind of came into it with an, a, the suspicion that a decent person out of academia would have of conferences, because conferences can be junkets, they can be jollies, they can be boring, and they can be boring. So I kind of had that as a baseline. Thing. So probably subconsciously, I've always been a bit. I don't think I, I don't think you ever suggested a conference. And I said no, yeah. but I'm not. It's not very me. Okay. And now I'm like this. You're is, a conference groupie. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like um, I don't know how many of you have seen Woodstock, and you remember talking to the guy afterwards, and you know that film Woodstock, and the documentary. Yeah. Okay. It's a great documentary. I watched it a lot as a teenager, and uh, your man goes afterwards. He goes, I feel like I've been through some kind of thing. <laughs> and that's how I felt. I felt like I've been through some kind of thing. Yeah. Very hard to describe, but a coming together in a very, yeah. uh, I, I hate to say egalitarian, but everybody, you could talk, you were talking to a parent, you're talking to a detransitioner, you're talking to uh, a professor, you were talking to everybody. And it was a, really, really, really coming together. There's a really interesting thought which has just occurred to me, which is about seating. No one sat, there was no parent area. Yeah. There's no detransition area. Yeah. There was no medic area. Yeah. Everyone was just moving around the whole time. Yeah. But that that was very definite in my mind as very important that there wouldn't be silos and there wouldn't be this is where this and this is where that. But, but people insistently yeah. bringing people together and not creating hierarchies yeah. was strong in my mind about mm. how it's very important. I did wasn't really into people going off dinners I was really saying have a drink here yeah. do you know what I mean I'm really into this like let's all get to know each other because it's very easy for people who are experts in the field to look for other experts yeah yeah and it's very important for especially for gender which has come in like a rocket everybody needed to hear everybody's views yeah yeah there is a uh a thought experiment because I didn't go to the e-path and I hopefully I'll get uh oh yeah Eliza. I'll get Eliza and hopefully even Wesley Yang because Wesley Yang was there and too. Lisa Selen Davis. And Corinna was there. And Corinna mm -hmm. was there too. So there's a lot of like debriefing that I need to go to <laughs> to pull it all together. But I can't imagine that EPath had anywhere near the, the the heart. Like there was there was another there was another level. So we're we're wrestling with ideas. We're bringing up the you know the facts. We're bringing up the experiences too, and we're we're putting them together. Whereas the stories that Eliza has told me, and she will be writing about this. She told me about the the W path <laughs> stories that there's this black hole, like like a deliberate black hole, that you could probably put the word ethic in at the W wow. path. They're they're just constantly they're going around. around the edge of the room. Yeah, they're walking the sinkhole. Yeah, of the heart. Yeah, of what and of the, everything they do. The one thing that um, I would have wanted, and that I just thought I just had this this kind of like this 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 hunger was children running around because this is this to just have have that whole humanity and and to really see that this is a place where children are loved and cared for. Yeah. And uh, and allowed like it wasn't the right time or place but I felt like this could be 
a place where we're at a very deep level of pro- is propaganda, pure propaganda, but say, but just showing like epath and, and this goes beyond just gender because there is a medical, there's a constant fight to make medicine human and to keep the human at the center of medicine, that holistic human. And you gave a talk on, on holistic health. Yeah, Alistair, it's very powerful. My kids were there, by the way. I was, yeah. <laughs> well, I've just been part of a medical experiment, well, three hours ago, or something, yeah. four hours ago, so it's very interesting. Explain what you mean. So, I mean, I'm... I'm well, so, to make it relevant to gender, um, there's a thing called using a drug off-label, and that means you're using a drug for a reason other than its precise purpose. Now, I'm using a drug called pembrolizumab off-label. The purpose of pembrolizumab is to combat stage four cancer as part of a clinical trial which is going on and there's only one of them. Oh my God. I'm using it for an off-label purpose, which is to combat stage four cancer, but I'm not in a clinical trial. Hmm. So that means I have to say, using it at my own risk. Oh my God. So they will come to me and say, look, here's what we know. I think it's like 10% or maybe a I think 10% of people get will develop diabetes. So that's a serious enough number that you need to know. Here's what that would entail. You'd have to come in every two weeks, and you'd have to have dialysis, here are the dietary implications and so forth. Because I'm taking the risk upon myself. That's what using off-label is. Now, puberty blockers, Lupron, is used off-label. For children. For children. Now, I'm doing it because... You've stage four cancer? I've stage four cancer, and it's the only thing that might save my life, which is unlikely, but possible. They're doing it because they have a hypothesis that they're going to be happier. So every single standard should be completely revised. Like, the standard view actually going through this, but there are lots of other things you could do, including psychotherapy, Mm. all sorts of things. I don't have... Therapy isn't going to make... Yeah, therapy (laughs) is not going to talk to... But it could do with a kid... Yeah. And, and so could doing nothing if done in the right way. I mean, there's Or as Malcolm Clark from the LGB Alliance who spoke at the conference oh, said, group. puberty yeah. could actually bring it on because puberty, for example, was, was his saviour. It made him big, it made him strong, it reconciled mm. him to his maleness. Mm. So puberty was... Got, and puberty helped me. I, I had yeah, a similar I, experience. I, and you, I'd be quite similar to Malcolm in some... Probably a bit less. Yeah. Yes, but, you know, there's, that's, I think that's very common. Way more common than we think. But it's it's a, it's very like the hero's journey in, in, in Carl Jung and stuff like that. Like you go through the pain to come out the side mm. to become, you know, the man or the woman. But, you know, a key part of, of, of puberty blockers is there has to be some sort of godlike prediction machine person who says, you, child, will be happier as a transgender adult. So I will bestow you puberty blockers. But you, child, child B... <sighs> I will predict will not be, so I won't give you... Like the utter arrogance of thinking yeah. any doctor could yeah. look at the 12-year-old and predict and it's what l- sort of adult they will it's want to be. It's labelled as life-saving, but the stories that we show is that it's family eroding, and, and at least with the detransitioners, which I think there'll be more of, it, it's, is that life-saving? It's 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 like a Christian. It's like it's life limiting. It's life limiting. Yeah, I think it's important to be careful how we talk about it because some of those people could have a limited life and could go on to be the most fantastic people in the world. They still have got those limits. I mean, if you've yeah. got urinary problems, you know. Now, I would I would say don't let that stop you. Yeah. 
treatise. You were very powerful about that, can I just say? Yeah, like, could you put more context on that? Yeah. Well, no, you go, you go on, because I don't know what you're about. Well, I thought you were very powerful when you were speaking about it, because you said, you know, you, you, <coughs> you were given a terrible diagnosis, and you've kind of got a perspective of, listen, if, if you're detransitioning, very difficult on you, but you've got a, a, a more frightening kind of um, con- thing to contend with. I think it gave you a, a very large perspective on everybody's issues. That's how, that's how I read you. Yeah, I mean, it just it's, it's, sometimes you do feel a bit, I do feel a bit like I've learned to see an extra colour or something. And maybe that's the thing, like everyone in my situation, like you walk around the world just and you do kind of think, gosh, people make quite strange decisions, including like myself before all of this. Because your understanding of like time and importance goes completely completely haywire. Well, no, it doesn't go haywire. You sort of realise it was haywire and you kind of think, right, okay, need to sort this out. Down to breast. It does feel that sometimes you, you do feel like saying, like, the normie people cannot see the colours. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I would it, say Seriously, because so. you hear people saying things like, well, yeah, but I don't want to do that because that's kind of, you know, I'll do that later because I don't need to do that now. It's like, what do, you talk, what, what do you mean later? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't know that you've got a later. And okay, so with that context of uh, fatal diagnosis, mm. you could be doing anything. Potentially yeah. fatal. Okay, sorry. Well, it's a diagnosis. It's a diagnosis. Like, it's, okay. it's almost certainly fatal. Okay. We're just going to... Okay, yeah, absolutely. Pardon me. Um, hope is abounding here, but uh, just and with, with that context. And happened today. Yeah. Why then... You could so you have limited time. Why spend it on this? Oh yeah, that's so good. Um, because I mean, the most important reason to me right now is that before I met you, I met these these women, a few in particular, and they've come across to see me now, and they have been very, very kind to me. And then Stella has been, I mean, you know what you've done, yeah. come to appointments We're with me. Close. We're very close. And so it, it's sort of in, in my world, I care to, to, you know, to focus on the gender aspect of it. I, I, the thing I said, which I'm happiest I said, is stop calling my friends homophobes. How bloody day, you know. They they cook me things and send and package them up and send them at like seventeen dollars in a box from the US for me to eat. Yeah. Like they're not homophobic. That's the thing. That's one thing that's keeping me because I you know, I've become very deep friends with some of these people. That's keeping me certainly like very, very invested. And we we work very closely, mm. but I think because more than anything else, because this is such a scandal. When you find out about it, it it's just such a scandal mm. that it's very, very difficult not to think. You know, how, how do you? How do you? Mm. How could you just turn your brain off from it? Now you could say, "Yeah, okay, well, just go on a cruise because yeah. you know." But I don't know. Now, having said that, I'm not really <coughs> doing any work 
Right. Well, you did that beautiful picture. Yeah, I did it yeah, for, okay. for the conference. But a lot of it is talking to you and kind of thinking, where are we going? It's a lot yeah. of talking. Like. And there's also the kind of, I wonder, you know that life life is what happens when you're making other plans. There's also mm-hmm. the kind of, well, what do we do with life other than talk and plan and... Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's, well, what do we do? I, I don't know. I don't think there is anything else to do with life, if you follow me. You get up in the morning and you talk to who you want to talk to and make plans and is, is mm-hmm. that something Basically, like that? Yeah. 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 I, I don't know, unless you hate your job, if you get, let's well, say, a cancer what, diagnosis, was, you leave your job, but you didn't hate your job. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, I suppose if I'd been in an office doing yeah. some office job I hated with like admin or something then you would think yeah, why am I doing this yeah. but it's very interesting the whole thing yeah. is just so interesting as well yeah. like the, the conversations we have are so and we know we're kind of uh, I don't want to be grandiose but fighting something very important mm-hmm. that has taken over and that like it, it feels like it's making a difference what we're doing so don't want to talk for you, but it feels like, oh, no, yeah, no, no, there's no. an importance to it. There's a purpose to it. So yeah. I saw, I don't want to drop anyone in it, so I saw a medical professional today, not actually to do with immunotherapy, but somebody else in my care, and hadn't seen her since, um, I don't know, October, September. Um. Yeah, and uh, so she said, how are you, and all the rest of it. So I told her, we chatted for five minutes about Killarney and all the rest of it, and like nearly everyone else, she's like, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> this is exactly what they need. We need to stop doing this to young people and give them the time. We, right. we were talking about, you know. So there's that as well. When you know that you're doing something which is at odds with policy, although of course that's a very, I don't want to get yeah. into like a policy, but you know, at odds with so much policy and so much of what's going on in the culture and so much of what's going on in the media and so much of what people assume. But then you just talk to whether it's the average person on the street or whether it's a medical the average medical professional who's not in gender or even something closely related and you realize when you realize you're representing like 90 some number yeah. percent of opinion yeah and you're cast as though you're this weird mangled disfigured one percent it's kind of like you just have to keep on going you know it's important yeah and we are making a difference we know we're making a difference mm. so it feels, I think it feels important to oh, keep God, at it, yeah. How, how is, this is, this, I don't know, if, I, I'm trying to think how I would answer this question, but has, has the, working in this issue, has it changed you or changed your view of life over the years? Like, is it, has it brought in a deepened understanding of, of just the facts of life, like the real facts of life, like family, motherhood, fatherhood, childhood? Um, being a brother do you want to answer first for me yeah you go first yeah for me um, you know I I was ticking along I was I had a very interesting life I was writing books psychotherapist you know had my family and then when gender happened it's like I've always wondered I think we've all always wondered what would happen if you were in the middle of a war how would you react in a plane crash how would you react in one of these kind of major historic events and suddenly I was in one and I found out how I would react, which is I would see what I could do to help. So um, it's changed me because it's it's consumed me, and it's it's mm. never I've never thought so deeply or as hard or as fast. And I thought I was living a life that was thinking deeply, hard, and fast. So it, it propelled me into a different gear, and I've no doubt I've 
probably shortened my life. I've certainly, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I've no doubt I have, but in a good way, as in I, I've propelled myself forward in a in an extraordinary accelerated fashion. Do you hmm. know what I mean? But it's been really engaging. It felt like it's real life, if you follow me, for me. It, it's felt like, whoa, everything else was fine, but now it's like, this is really important. It gave me an extraordinary sense of purpose. There is something to be done. You can help go at it and go at it hard. Yeah. For me, that's what, what it gave me. And I never had such a strong sense of that before. Yeah. And that, that, um, that purpose or that calling mm. um, can drive people into zealotry. I think, of, I don't mm. know who I was talking, was I talking to you today? Like people who are, have one issue tend to be oh, yeah, highly yeah. zealous. Um, and just for people who are thinking, well, this woman, you said you're consumed, but you mm. are not like a keyboard warrior. You are building networks. You're working with people, tons of people. You're implementing things. So while it is one topic, there's so many different directions. And people are constantly testing you, too. I know. And wrestling with you. I don't think you could be a zealot on any issue. No. There's something about you. I just don't think that could happen. Yeah, you're right. I think some kind of switch would flick and and you'd go, right, now I have to reconsider everything. Yeah. I'm too critical to be a zealot, I think. And I think we have that somewhat in... Common. I think so. Yeah, definitely. But I think um, what it's brought in as well is a huge amount of strategic thinking is needed. And I fell into a movement that didn't seem to have any strategic thinking. There was a big lack, I felt. Now, I might have been wrong. Might have been massive amounts A of lot of people working on little different like, a things. A massive amount of and, wheels yeah. being replicated. Yes. A massive amount of work being replicated. A massive amount of replication everywhere. You know what I mean? So, huge amount of strategy was needed. And we could see it. You know what I mean? And thought, this, this, there's work to be done massive amount of work to be done mm. and it needs to be done fast and quickly and efficiently like yeah and we need to look you know we're representing majority opinion we need to can this business of we're so small we're just oh, at the god, edge no. here we're just over here here's my little word document in Arial. sorry god i mentioned fonts you're gonna kill me <laughs> it's technically called a typeface the font is like yeah. italic or- Bolt. I hear you were. But there's there's some such a freaking punk ass bitch. <laughs> Scrabble. Um. So, the, the, but that's it's kind of like a sub point of what you're just saying in some sense. Like because I would be quite visual in the way I think, that, you know, to, to to make sure that we look so that people out there who agree can kind of come and see right. So you can be part of something that's really quite big. Yeah, and and represents all sorts of different people. It's not some sort of niche, like yeah. academic. Yeah. And by yeah, there's one of the things that I've seen and studied over the course of my work is that people get delusions of grandeur. Either their ego swells, or their you know the frame of reference. Like I'm dealing with a big, huge issue. I'm changing the world, or something like that. And it seems like you guys are too busy to think in terms of like some sort of universal you're going to overthrow the WEF or anything it's like no there's there's parents here how do we solve these pr- parents problems how do we bring um, you know resources to detransition yeah. it's it's always breaking it down to the human yeah. level so I, I, I like how the, do we help teachers in schools who are lost yeah. and rudderless and need guidance yeah. there's so many groups that need help mm-hmm. it's like yeah. I need and so many that we don't even know about yet who are going to come yeah. forward because there's yeah. do you know 
Yes. Jordan. There's a lot to be done. <laughs> they don't think sometimes, yeah, don't they? Yeah, well, WPAT started, like, really in 78. They had their first conference in 79. We started in 2021, and we had our first conference, COVID, obviously, we had our first conference in 2023. And <laughs> so we have a bit to catch up on, but it really feels like they have, they've, they've lost their way, and they've been utterly taken over by trans activists, They've lost all sorts of authority because of that. They've allowed trans activists to shape them. And as a result, other organisations now need to say, well, we're going to bring a more sensible approach. Off you go, but you've, you've put your in, yourself into very niche, very strange world with your decisions about eunuchs and, and non-binary. Multiple personalities. Yeah, and, yeah. identifying as, as all sorts of things. They've, they've, they gave their authority away. Yeah. And other people have to kind of step up. And we're delighted to step up because, not because we think we're brilliant, but because they're doing a very bad job. And it's almost like that's why I became a psychotherapist. I used to think, well, you know, I couldn't do as bad as the people I was seeing. <laughs> and I, I, I do think that about Jen's work. We couldn't do as badly as WPAT. Yeah. We couldn't. No, well, if we're we already just, if, significantly better. If we just did yeah. nothing, it would be better for the... Like, do you see what yeah. I mean? Like, just doing nothing would be better than yeah. what they're doing by a long, long way. But happily, we just had this beautiful conference which showed that actually we can do a good deal better. Yeah. So that has been a very um, life-affirming feeling. <laughs> really, it really has been, you know. And you, Alistair, has, has it um, some some insight into who you are? Or, or oh God, I think it's totally changed. Because we're we're very because you were you know before all of this you were prominent. You now yeah. still are prominent. Yeah. You've got this profile. You were it's so weird. The first time I went to her house, she's like, I'm just running upstairs, and then she goes on the news, and I sit with her. <laughs> that was husband. the first night I met. Her. <laughs> I had an interview. I'm like, so I'm some nobody. Yeah. Like intentionally, but still. Yeah, but yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't have that, and and so it's totally, it's yeah. totally changed wow. me. And you were very secretive, and then you came out. Yeah, and I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and it's partly because, of course, like people like you were already out, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so you're kind of clearing the path, and I think that that. Then, so the path is cleared, and then the next person clears it a bit more and clears it a bit more and clears it a bit more. So as a result of this conference, I hope, because, you know, detransitioners are speaking out, I hope more parents speak out. That may, I think that that will happen now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, like we say, teachers, you know, professionals from different areas, I'd like more, you know, just coming from the sector just this afternoon, I'd like more healthcare professionals in totally unrelated fields, yeah. like, you know, I don't know, ENT, Nurses. to say, like, you know, I'm really not comfortable with us describing that as medicine. Because they're doing things which, you know, rheumatoid arthritis aren't doing, ENT aren't doing, no, nobody else is doing. Well, they're, they're, they're medicalising healthy bodies to be weaker. Yeah. There's no getting around that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which no, nowhere else yeah. are they doing that in medicine. Yeah. Which undermines the ethos of other departments. It under, it particularly eating disorders. Nowhere is it clear with eating disorders because they're saying, well, this child knows, you know what's in your best interest. The only, as I understand it, the only real way you can treat an eating disorder in a teenager is that you have to find some way to communicate to the child. You can't make decisions at the moment. Yeah. Because you're not making them in your own best interest because you are trying to starve yourself to death. Now, many 
uh, young people who have a transgender identity have an eating disorder. Yeah. So they're getting it's completely conflicting. It's completely conflicting advice. This so the medical profession needs to resolve this, and we have to be a bit more forthright about it's not just gender medicine it's, it's also so everyone right. else there's one oh, little on. part one little niche little part that everybody ignored for 40 50 60 years that was medicalizing healthy bodies to a weaker position mm-hmm. and now it's exploded and it's not a little niche or, or you know situation. No, no. no it's not at all no, no. and suddenly and it's not they just, never, it's not they just never a right wing talking point like there's there are thousands upon thousands of people that are being affected by this thousands. this is not even a political issue I mean yeah. policy might solve it but it's not a political issue I mean look at that room we were just in like was there a single outside of this was there a single political belief I suppose something if you um, went right down to very fundamentals well, yeah sure Helen, we would be Helen right. Joyce brought up Rousseau and I started getting okay she's going to start to red pill herself pretty soon eventually she's going to she's going to see the light but you know. <laughs> I thought she was very very good on I think so. she was, it was she was really good Good, and yeah. a very, very, very kind. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lovely yes. woman. As was my. Oh God! No, it's going to turn into an Oscar. Well, actually, it's funny. My, my, my husband was really. I asked my husband, who, you know, lay person, and he said, you know, I'm, I was most taken with what Maya and Helen said because they were talking about clarity of language and yeah. policy and legal, and I realised, yeah, they're right. We've got to get into clarity of language and legal policy, or we don't know anything. Yeah. They they put a very strong case forward. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. one arm. What Joe yeah. did was brilliant. Joe, Joe Burgo, yeah. yeah. Everyone's talking about. He talked about you know autogynephilia in a different way. He gave a new a new approach, a new thinking around autogynephilia, which is so needed. Yeah. Because so the, the psychology. Of how it might come about. Uh, yeah, of how it might come about, or how people, uh, how young men, how men specifically are dealing with issues through sexuality. Yeah. And yeah, and we, we did do a, a man's panel, and yeah. basically, uh, it's a, embedded in a woman's conference, so it was kind of, we had to do a little bit of strategic. Why do you say a woman's conference? Yeah, well, it was not a woman's conference. There was a lot Who of us, so, so the, under no, no other, no other lecturers. How to do as many p- apologies, or, <laughs> or not all women, or not all men. Well, it was interesting, because <laughs> I was talking about, like, I do think life has got worse for boys and girls. I do think that. So do I. And there, there was like, a lot of kind of very big, like people with, women with a lot of expertise in what's going on in young women's lives. Yeah. But then I went up to a couple of people afterwards and said, what do you think? And I think broadly... Hmm. I think we should agree on that. I just think life's getting worse for young people. And I think I a, a lot of people campaigning for women and girls yes. would agree with that. I do too. Because, and the reason they agree with it is because they've developed quite a lot. This is, I think it's thought about the internet. They've developed quite a good understanding of what the internet is doing to young women and young men's role in that. And they can see, you know, this is, it's like I said, you know, sewers made everyone's lives better. Having sewerage makes everyone's lives worse. Nuclear war makes everyone's lives worse. There is something. Not, not gender, everything is a zero yeah. sum game where yeah. if men lose. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. So, what, what do you think is going going forward? How do you guys feel? This, and this is recorded maybe two or three days after the conference. So, yeah. we're still kind of swirling with it and stuff. And, yeah. and we're still digesting and processing everything that happens. But I wonder if you, if you saw or have seen over the past week glimmers of hope or or uh like possibilities and future uh opportunities. yeah i i know one person said and it was such a lovely comment they said during the conference they said it feels like the gender movement has come of age 
And I thought that was a very, very good way of describing it. We were coming out from the shadows, we were public, we were in a conference in the middle of town, we were very clearly, forthrightly being who we are. There there were people with ideologies, but ideology was not what what brought us together and kept us together. We weren't weren't interfacing through an ideology, through a belief system, or through agreement. We were interfacing through experience and through each other's personalities. There There was a lot more breadth... Yeah. of channels for us to communicate. And, and a common belief that somewhere along the line in all of this, we've lost some kind of basic humanity, some kind of really central strand of humanity has kind of come loose mm-hmm. here. And I think that that bound everyone together in some kind of way, that, yeah. that collective feeling. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and already you can see some, I mean, like, I've been approached with a couple of quotes just by people yeah. saying, would it be fair to say that you say this? So that's going to go into an article. Oh, yeah, there's going to be loads like of that. podcast stuff. Yeah, there'll be loads of stuff. And then each one of those is kind of a note. Yeah. So we saw this with D-Trans Awareness too. Yeah. But I think this could be a bit bigger and probably a bit... Do you know what we're... Well, we did D-Trans Awareness Day. We did a webinar in 2022. Mm. And then we did another one in, in 2023. And already in that year... This D-Trans Awareness Day webinar had already gained legs. So no doubt next year, mm. well, God willing, that there will be some sort of, I don't know, other Inshallah. conference. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know where it will be or what it will be, but we, yeah. we, we hope that is where we're going, to bigger and better things. Yeah. That's the, the grand hope. Yeah. Any particularly... Um, um, just absolutely awkward or hilarious moments that won't get you in trouble. Uh, well, there was that thing where you talked about not calling Henry Daddy. <laughs> and I died for you. <laughs> I, Maybe you pulled it funny. back, you pulled it back. Um, funny. <laughs> gosh, there were so many. What did you ask? Any particularly awkward? Uh, just like the, the fun parts. Of the, <sighs> there was so many. Uh, the last night there was a piano well, bar upstairs. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a well. It was it was very Irish, but it the was end. very Irish. The piano was really annoying, but everybody really let loose, and there was a lot of hugs and and asking for people's phone numbers and, yeah. and, and people being hung upside down. There was a little bit of monkey business going on up there. <laughs> Did you know about my car? What happened to my car? Wait, your car? Yeah, oh, you got you got, got somebody. Blo- so the, the oh. hotel car park is like a maths exam anyway. You you can barely. Insane. It was insane. <laughs> it was ridiculous. The car park space was about the size of this table, and so I'm just about got in. I was very proud of myself because I reversed it because I thought it's going to be tough to get out of here. And then somebody came and blocked, blocked me him. in, yeah. and I spent like you know when you get yourself into a situation where you're literally like go forward two inches back, all four of the sensors just on full beep the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. That was and, the last point. I thought it was very Corinna. <laughs> Corinna Cohen thought, like, when she saw the problem, rather than coming to me and saying, could we borrow your car, which was very sensible, and the car would have been probably not very many yards away. Yeah. <laughs> rather than that, Corinna thought, could we get four burly men and lift <laughs> That's Apparently, that's like, in Indiana, that's just what <laughs> would just, happen. You move the car. In Indiana, you would... <laughs> I, I kind of like the Indiana one. Well, yeah, yeah the, the car got moved. That was fine. Yeah. No, it, it was strange, because I've been to lots of... I've been to, like, you know, like, four-day work, linguistics workshops and linguistics yeah. conferences and these kinds of things. And I've been to a great conference. You know, I've been to one of those great conferences where you great. make... Great. Great. Okay. Where you make lifelong friends and yeah. you have a really good time. But there was this was... 
Yeah. Different. Yeah. It was a coming together. Yeah. It really was, which was mm-hmm. really sorely needed. And I, I suppose you both need a break from yeah. thinking about Genspect, but what what do you think, how do you think that this has begun to reformulate the mission and the content of what Genspect is going to provide and do? I think we've realized that it is time for us to kind of take our place so that people have a serious alternative to WPATH's vision and they can look over to Genspec and say, well, there's another vision. They promote transgender health. We promote a healthy approach to sex and gender. So you can look at one or you can look at the other and say, which is the better approach? And I think a healthy approach to sex and gender is a better approach. Hmm. Who would have thought healthy would be better than... Crazy blue sky thing. I don't know what the other option is. I think so. I think we're seeing, I mean... Just saw, you know, there's all these little things, but I saw somebody coming in on the comments saying, you know, you need to check out Genspec. There's a centrist way of doing, you know, to curse the old stop of all people. But, you know, like there's a centrist. So people who are looking for a kind of alternative, which is well thought out and moderate and actually professional and has resources and isn't just, hey, one person disagrees with you, but like, no, 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 there's a whole kind of body that you can access here a whole organization yeah, which is yeah. alternative and that i think yet yeah, to, so to take our place as saying we are the challenger which they've basically said we are yeah, yeah. they actually did they, they basically, wrote to us yeah so yeah, epath yeah. was very aware of of genspect being on the premises of killarney there's a tiny little the free land of killarney <laughs> there's a tiny little anecdote probably uh Busted up, but Epath wanted gender-neutral bathrooms at least at the conference, if not around the conference. And one restaurant here in Killarney said, uh, "We don't let penises into into the the ladies' bathrooms. You don't have to be a mad scientist to know that." And his his tweet went viral, and then he ended up on TV talking about his radical idea of not letting (laughs) be penised people into the ladies' bathroom. But yeah, Epath wrote to us, and we, we will, you know, formulate a, a good response back yeah. to them. But they wrote to us kind of saying, well, you should you should have come to us. We came to them. They blocked us, you know what I mean? So <laughs> they, Their they opening are, speech said that we believe in freedom of speech, but we also believe in the freedom to ignore the speech that we don't like. To well, not listen. Uh, to yeah. not listen. Well, we will write back to them. Mm. Um, and they're very welcome for that courtesy, mm. because when many... Many parents wrote to them over many years, very politely, with bodies of evidence refuting their scurrilous accusations of this phobia and that phobia. And detransitioners Did too. Epath write back? No. But, you know, we're better, you know, we're, we're good people, so yeah. we, we, we will certainly... We'll build the Golden Bridge and go yeah. over it, yeah. without a doubt, but certainly we're going to hold our own, yeah. as our, our own position is... is a, I honestly think a healthy approach to sex and gender is more 21st century vision than the kind of what I would see as a 20th century vision of just medicalise the problem, throw, yeah. throw medicine at it. What, what, what do you need? I'll give you the prescription. It's like, you know, the antibiotics and, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, one thing We've tried it, we've tried it. We know just more medicine brings more problems and if at all possible, try and look at the bigger picture. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we should um, uh, I kind of colonized your house this week, Angus. Thank you so much. Angus Alistair. So in Angus land, he's Angus and Alistair land, he's Alistair. <laughs> and, and thank you very much for, for having me out and uh, giving me uh, the opportunity. Well, you are, you are a reflection of our wide perspective, like bring in Benjamin Boyce. You know what I mean? That was what we were trying to do, like very, very wide kind of net. We were thrilled when you said you'd come. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was totally life-changing. And oh, uh, there's going to be much more content that comes out about it. I didn't record anything here except for this one thing. Um, so, I kind of knew that would happen. <laughs> I, guess I, I worried that would There's happen. So many stuff. people to, 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 to look into. But you did such, you know, you did all those panels. And all yeah. Oh, yeah, you were brilliant. You were fun. brilliant. Well, I'll post those too and everybody will find. So uh, I'll link links to all the important things down in the description. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for Thank being you. Excellent friends. Oh. Thanks, Benjamin. We love you, Benjamin. <laughs> Here. <laughs> okay.